0: News analysis and opinion. It's the Elijah Hart Show on 93.3 and AM
1: 560 KWTO. Welcome back to KWTO. Don't forget, coming up at 5.05, Bruce the Theologian. He's going to discuss with us that he gets us commercials. Heresy or great missionary tool. We'll discuss that at 5.05. But joining us now on the show, Attorney General of the State of Missouri, Andrew Bailey, Mr. General, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mr. Speaker, thank you for having me on. Thanks for being on. We're going to dive into a bunch of stuff, border and parental rights and things like that. But first question of the day today, what's one time that you made a comment, made a joke, whatever, in, in a group of people and you realize you either misstated something or everybody started making fun of you? What's what's Give us a moment like that in your life.
0: Oh, man, that's a fun question. Uh, yeah, so...
1: I love asking this question to very serious individuals because there's always like, ah, I don't know what I can tell you about.
0: (laughs) No, look, I mean, it. it, it, People uh, make mistakes, right? You you misspeak on occasion. You have to go back and correct it. That happens to everybody, and I'm not immune to it. I would say there was a. So I grew up a lifelong Chiefs fan, and you know we're sitting here celebrating big Chiefs win on Sunday. Grew up a lifelong Chiefs fan. I had like really fond memories of watching uh, the Kansas City Chiefs with my father as a child. And, you know, I remember when the Chiefs acquired Joe Montana, and my dad being very enthusiastic, and I, I grew up watching Joe Montana, Christian Okoye, Marcus Allen. There were some great Chiefs teams there in the 90s when I was a kid. And so, uh, I just really fond memories of that. You know, it's cool getting to share uh, this new Chiefs dynasty with my sons and getting to kind of carry on that that tradition, but back to your question about a year ago i was in kansas city and i was in a meeting with some folks and i was talking about being a lifelong chiefs fan and i talked about watching joe montana throw touchdown passes to jerry rice and of course jerry rice and joe montana didn't play together for the kansas city chiefs jerry <laughs> rice they, they played together for the 49ers so it's like a factually true statement but they were like you must not be a real chiefs fan because that didn't happen and i you know in my mind i was thinking about uh uh, about Marcus Allen. And I just said, Jerry Rice for, for some dumb reason. So, yeah, they, I definitely took a, a you know, a, 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 some trouble for that. It was, it was well-deserved. I just misspoke, but, I love uh, it.
1: Yeah. but that's good stuff. Okay. Let's dive into the real important things. Uh, you've been busy lately. Let's talk first about, uh, parental rights. That's a, that's a subject that's come up a lot in, 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 in not just conversations that you've been having, but some of the work you've been doing. Give us a little bit of insight on what the attorney general's doing in that space.
0: Yeah, look, we're going to fight for parents' rights to educate their children as they see fit. I'm a parent first. I've got four small children. I'm invested on this issue personally and professionally. And I'll tell you, uh, Missourians don't co-parent with the government. There's a statute on point that governs how human sexuality is allowed and is not allowed to be taught in our schools. And there's a parental opt-in or opt-out process built into the statute. In other words, the schools can't sexualize your children or indoctrinate, indoctrinate your children. They're limited in what they can talk to your children about. And it's really bi- m- more focused on biology. And again, the parents have a right to determine whether or not they want their children to participate in that curriculum. And so we've had to bring lawsuits against uh, schools and send uh, cease and desist letters, demand letters, uh, re- requesting, uh, demanding further information to hold school officials accountable who violate this statute. We're g- going to continue to do that, not only to protect the children from sexualization by government bureaucrats, but but again, this is about asserting parents' rights to parent their children consistent with their values.
1: You know, one of the things I saw last week, both you and Secretary Ashcroft appeared with Riley Gaines as she was traveling through the state of Missouri. Um, You did a big event in Wentzville talking about protecting women's sports. Walk us through that event um, and and what happened there.
0: Yeah, well, Riley Gaines is a hero in this movement. I mean, this is a, a female athlete who stood up and said, no, this is morally wrong and it's not safe and it, it's dangerous and invasive for the privacy of women to allow men to participate in, in female sports. It corrupts female sports and it's not fair. And so, uh, proud to stand with her, you know, Missouri has led on this issue in so many different ways during my time in office from investigating and shut ultimately shutting down the pediatric transgender clinics that weren't actually providing healthcare, but were instead sterilizing children, uh, to defending the state statutes. One of which of course, creates a fairness in, in, in female sports act and the, the second is senate bill 49 which ultimately was the the prohibition against uh the, this gender mutilation of, of children and missouri was the first state in the nation to successfully defend a statute like that at the trial court level and i'm proud that uh, that trial occurred in green county i mean we were down in springfield and i was in court and we defended that and, and now the children of missouri are safer for it but uh, very appreciative of, of Riley coming to Missouri and, and, and sharing her experience with us and sharing the podium to talk about the work we're doing.
1: She really is a rock star on that issue, and it was it was really cool to hear from her and Bethany Hamilton about their experiences and, and watch them sit so, up. You, know, you, know, you talk about your four kids. I've got four kids. I've got three daughters, and for my daughters, having somebody like that as a role model really, really important. Okay, shifting gears a little bit more south of here, Obviously, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, uh, there may not be a hotter issue this election cycle than what's happening at the border. Every day we, we look at Eagle Pass. We watch the uh, uh, these illegal immigrants continue to come across. There's a big 10th Amendment war going on now between Texas and Joe Biden. Walk us through what's the role for the attorney general on protecting us from illegal immigration?
0: Well, we're going to use every tool at our disposal to protect Missouri communities from criminal aliens. Uh, It is a felony offense in the state of Missouri to knowingly transport an illegal alien in or through this state. We're going to enforce that law. But look, every state is a border state at this point. President Biden on day one in in, in the Oval Office hung an open sign at our southern border, and he did that by repealing the remain in mexico policy signing an executive order that said he wouldn't build any new uh new border walls despite the fact that in 2006 as a u.s senator he voted for the secure fence act so he knows border uh, barriers work and then he perverted the law by essentially using the rulemaking process to create new visa programs never authorized by congress congress gets to decide who is allowed into this country and under what conditions not the president through rulemaking authority and so uh missouri has has filed suit three times against him and let's talk about the harms again when i say it's making missouri communities less safe the the proof is in the numbers there have been 1100 reported incidents of human trafficking through the state of missouri in one year alone making missouri the fourth worst state in the nation now for human trafficking and if you look at the i-44 and i-70 quarter it makes total sense uh secondly there's been more than 1500 deaths in one year alone from fentanyl poisoning 43 innocent children juveniles, minors, babies that were killed because of accidental fentanyl poisoning uh, from exposure to fentanyl, again, these harms are directly attributable to President Biden's open border policy. So we've sued to stop his illegal visa program, stop his catch and release program, and we've sued to force him to finish building the border wall, which was commanded by Congress. And ultimately, we're going to be successful. And I'll be proud to come back on your show and talk about how Missouri was the first state in the nation to successfully sue the Biden administration to force his hand and do his job and secure our southern border.
1: One of the things that we've heard a lot in the media lately is that the attorney general's office is behind on on sunshine requests. You came out maybe a week or so ago and said we are going to get all cut up on these by a certain time is this is this fake news controversy is it is it a real backlog talk talk us through if anybody's seen these articles what what the real truth is on this
0: yeah look I mean every public entity uh, receives hundreds of sunshine requests and it fulfills them to the best of their ability and as quickly as possible pursuant to the statute. We're committed to that. And so my office has taken groundbreaking steps to dedicate additional resources to ensure that people requesting documents get the records they receive. But look, when you've got two previous office holders that were elected to the United States Senate, they leave behind a legacy of excellence that causes a lot of attention Uh, There there are a lot of people interested in the work the Attorney General's office has done because they see the important issues we're tackling, that that legacy of excellence that my predecessors leave behind. And so that has just created an increase in the number of requests for information. My office, since uh, taking office, has closed 779 requests. We've fulfilled 779 requests that's a remarkable number um and so we have eliminated all the requests that were pending before i took office and there are 275 requests still pending that we're going to close out and fulfill uh, no later than may and hopefully sooner than that and so having the, the resources and the staff and having the staff trained to the appropriate level to be able to turn those requests around and fulfill them quickly ha- has allowed us to set this groundbreaking pace
1: uh can't let you go without talking about. You've got the big tech case coming up at the Supreme Court. Uh, a lot of people think maybe the maybe the second biggest case that's going to happen this year behind the Trump versus Colorado case. But some people say it will have longer lasting impact. Talk to us about the big tech, big tech case at the Supreme Court. Yeah, this is the
0: most important First Amendment suit in this nation's history. And the question for our time is: Does it does government censorship on big te- tech violate? The, the prohibition uh, against government censorship codified in the first amendment to the United States constitution. And uh, we feel very strongly that we will be successful. Of course, we won at the district court level. Uh, we re- revealed this relationship of coercion and collusion between the Biden uh, White House and federal officials uh, with their cronies and big tech social media platforms to silence exclusively conservative voices on big tech social media, those censorship algorithms that all of a sudden started booting people like you and me off of big tech, because we were talking about president Trump because we were talking about COVID tyranny because we were talking about election integrity. Those censorship algorithms were changed to satisfy federal officials demands. And we're going to hold wrongdoers accountable. We defended the district court order twice at the fifth circuit court of appeals. The score is Missouri three Biden zero in the fight for free speech. And we're going to the super bowl, We're going to bring home a win. We'll be there March 18th and excited. uh, I think uh, 100 years from now, uh, first-year law students, second-year law students will crack open their constitutional law textbook and read the case Missouri v. Biden and realize that this this state took a stand for our constitutional freedoms and was ultimately successful.
1: Attorney General Andrew Bailey. Uh, General Bailey, you are running for reelected. People want to know more about what your office does, follow along with your campaign for reelection. How do they follow you or learn more um, online or on social media?
0: Yeah, check us out at ago.mo.gov. That's ago.mo.gov or baileymo.com. You can also, if you've got a consumer protection issue, uh, you can file that complaint online or call us at 1-800-392-8222. We're uh, going to fight to protect working Missouri families and their hard-earned dollars from deceptive business practices. Very good. Attorney General Andrew
1: Bailey, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll plan to see you at Lincoln Days this weekend. Hey, thanks, Mr. Speaker. Look forward to catching up soon. All right, that was Andrew Bailey. He's obviously running for Attorney General. Hey, this is a great time. Let's talk a little bit about updates from the campaign trail, news and notes as we get ready for Lincoln Days coming up this weekend. Uh, It's an unprecedented year, Missouri. And by that, I mean unprecedented since 2016, the last time we had competitive primaries for every single statewide race. There's a lot of updates. Let's get into the updates. What's happening in the races? Well, let's start at the top. Governor, you still got a, a three way race for governor. Um, there's been eight public polls since the races began. Jay Ashcroft has led in all eight of them. Uh, there's a little bit, you know, Kehoe and Igel both served in the Senate. Both of them are jostling for for second. Traditionally, Kehoe is in second, Igles in third. I just saw this morning that Bill Igles' campaign released their own internal poll today. Um, they have themselves at 13. They have Kehoe also at 13. Jay Ashcroft continues to lead at 36%, so he's actually got more than both of them combined, which would be the ninth poll to confirm he's got... Anywhere from a 15 to 20 point lead. So, um, it, you know, Ashcroft continues to be the strong leader in that race. I think the big question in that race is, does Donald Trump endorse? Donald Trump, probably the most pow- powerful and popular politician in the country. And the one politician who I feel like his endorsement moves a significant number of votes. So that's, uh, th- that's the top of the ticket race. Number two race in the state, Lieutenant Governor. A lot of moving parts in this race. Uh, Bob Onner dropped out of the race, transferred to a run for the Congressional District. So right now, it's only a two-person race. Speaker of the House, Dean Plocker, and State Senator Holly Rader. Now, if you've been following, Dean plocker has been in a little bit of hot water, had a a few issues in the Capitol. We'll see if he actually makes it to filing. There's a lot of people that don't believe he will end up filing for the race. But local Senator Lincoln Huff, he's really starting to take a hard look at it. Lincoln, always one of the better fundraisers statewide will be interesting to see if he actually puts this uh puts this campaign into drive and then out of st louis does the name david wassinger ring a bell he ran for auditor back into tw- or uh, uh yeah auditor back in 2018 he's he is putting the uh the finishing touches on an announcement coming up. so a lot of moving parts that race still continues to be in flux attorney general we just interviewed andrew bailey obviously will sharf who is donald trump's personal attorney. Um, running against each other, man, that's a pickem at this point. That one could go either direction. I'd give a slight edge to Bailey if the election were held today. I give a slight edge to Sharf when the election is held in August because I think, if I had to guess, I'm going to predict Donald Trump endorses Will Will Sharf in the race. I just you can't be his personal attorney without either being fired or endorsed. And at this point, I don't think he's getting fired. So I, if I'm going to go out a limb. I predict Sharf gets the Trump endorsement, um, and that would be the difference in the race. Uh, Secretary of State, big breaking news yesterday. Adam Schwadron out of St. Charles. We've had him on the show. He's the only Jewish member of the legislature. Um, he's also the one who filed the, the Taylor Swift bill, fighting revenge porn. Uh, Adam Schwadron reported the single largest donation of any Secretary of State can, candidate to date this cycle. He he put a $100,000 check in the bank just yesterday. Vaults him into what I would say would be a front runner position, primarily him and Caleb Rowden squaring off. Of course, our own local sec- uh, uh, Green County clerk Shane Scholler, probably in the running as well from a statewide name perspective. Got tons of name ID from his run eight years ago. Um, finishing up the, 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 the group is Denny Hoskins, a member of the Freedom Caucus. Hasn't really got much traction statewide, so he's probably running fourth in the four way field. And then, of course, Treasure. Another one. You've got the incumbent Vivek Malek, who is running for re-election. He was appointed by Governor Parson. His primary opposition, State House Budget Chair Cody Smith, who is is probably the number one opponent. Now, there's also Senator Andrew Koenigs in the race. You've got a couple other also raves. That's sort of the state of the race as it sits today. If I was going to make predictions, we got Lincoln Days on uh, on Friday and Saturday up in Kansas City. If I'm making predictions today. I think Ashcroft wins the governor's primary. I don't think it's particularly close. I'm not. There's no way I can pick in lieutenant governor's race because I have no idea how that one. I think Sharf wins by a nose in the attorney general race, but I could easily see Andrew Bailey hanging on to the office. I think in the uh, secretary of state's race, it comes down to. I I think it's either Adam probably think Adam Schwadron probably wins the race, but I think it comes down to a geographical battle between the St. Charles block of votes and the southwest missouri block of votes so i think it comes down to him and shane Scholler in the treasurer's race i think cody smith wins fairly handily in that race garrett have i missed anything uh, not not really i mean i i think i think rowden has a better shot to win that's that office than you do but because of that because of his uh his money Money name ID. I mean he is in he is in the news all over the place and I know a lot of it is so even negative. So for politico or types, you and me know he's in the news, but I always say this, you go to the gas station, do you think they've heard the name Caleb Brown? I think that's more likely than Schwadron. And I love Schwad. I mean Oh, I don't disagree. I, but I think I think Rowden is not as big a name. I just think because of his money, it, it gives him a chance. I the problem yeah. rowden has got is he's going to have to spend a lot of money. He's got a tough voting record to defend. And he's not from a part of the state where you have a lot of voters. Schwadrin is from St. Charles, huge Republican block voters. Shane is from Southwest, huge Republican block voters. Rowden has the most money, but he's from no man's land in Columbia where it's all liberals that turn out to vote. Hoskins has no money and he's from nowheresville. So in my mind, it comes down to probably Schuler and Schwadron in that race. That, that makes a lot of sense. I agree there. I always do forget that we are the crazies. We are the weirdos who pay attention more than anybody else. And I also, <laughs> listen, Shane Scholler's name ID in Southwest Missouri is, is significantly higher than anywhere else. And you're going to get a ton of votes coming up out of this area. And that's, you, especially in a race like Treasurer, Secretary of State that flies under the radar, you're going to have a ton of people that just show up and be like, I don't know who I'm voting for. But in the Southwest, I know the Scholler name. In St. Charles, I know the Schwadron name. Uh, that matters in the lower down-ballot races. I think AG and Governor, where the spending is going to be through the roof, I think it's much more likely that 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 those numbers change. I think those down-ballot races, it's just about geographical advantages. Schwadrin does a lot of excellent work, I think, in the social media sphere. And he's really kicked it up starting in around halfway through 2023, I feel like. I would love for Shane Scholler to kind of get in on, on some of that, too, and kind of push those Springfieldian values out there. Yeah, I, I the guy who I actually was impressed with, um, looking back, um, I was in a gas station the other day. The current state treasurer literally has a kiosk where you can, like, put your driver's license in and see if you have unclaimed property. I thought that was a very novel campaign idea. Okay, huh. we're out of time. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about question of the day. Don't forget 505 Bruce the theologian we're going to talk to him about the he gets us ads a man learns who's there for him when the glitter fades and the walls won't hold cause from then rubble what remains can only be what's true if all was lost it's more
0: i have gained, cause it led me back